0: Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan, and today on The Detail... Now, more than ever, is the time to make our transition towards more sustainable transport options and greater energy security. In March, as the price of petrol continued to surge, the Prime Minister made an unexpected announcement. Cabinet has made the decision that, in addition, all public transport fares will be half-price for the next three months. We hope this ensures that where the option of shifting how we travel is available, this makes it more affordable to take that public transport option up. This was, as you'd expect, welcomed by public transport commuters. With only again the loan living cost, which most of what I get goes towards paying rent and food and stuff, the fact that this proposal is now going to give me a bit more flexibility with money is definitely something that's going to help. And it led to calls for it to be extended. So will it work?
1: And if so, should it go longer than three months?
0: And should the cut be bigger by uh, be bigger than 50%? To help answer that, we're very pleased. to. Work. But it also led to some political misunderstandings. Public transport needs to stand on its own feet. It can't be subsidised or underwritten, right? It has to be able to build on its own case. So today on The Detail, is public transport already subsidised? Well, Yes, actually, that's an easy one. So, more interestingly, to what degree? How much would it cost to make it universally free? Who would benefit, and who would pay? Thomas Coglin is a senior political reporter with the New Zealand Herald. I began by asking him how he generally gets to work in the morning.
1: the uh, The mighty number two, Wellington's mighty number two bus, number from Steeton to Kurori, dropping me off uh at parliament it takes about 40 minutes sometimes like if i get the 30x the mighty express it can be as little as half an hour fantastic bus service i'm very lucky to live along a very good line um, as, as everyone knows, Wellington Public Transport has its moments.
0: Thousands of commuters are stuck in traffic or stranded this morning after a freight train derailed in the Wellington rail yards last night, closing almost all lines into the capital. While well, staying with buses, a perfect storm has thrown Wellington's embattled bus service temporarily, Back into chaos, the return
1: of university students in the end to summer holidays contribute to what is known as March Madness on the bus network. Twenty buses were cancelled yesterday, and uh, <laughs> and some some lines are not as good as others. But I'm very lucky to live across a good li- on a good line, which is fully electrified now as well. I always electric buses on them.
0: Yeah, two. that's interesting though. So it takes about what thirty to forty minutes, and the number two, I think it's it's done according to zone in Wellington, isn't it? The fare that you pay, but that's going to cost you what four bucks there thereabouts. Yeah.
1: And- um, if you at peak times, it would be just under four dollars, I think. And uh, and if, uh, if I'm starting work late, Parliament's pretty weird hours. Sometimes I start work at ten o'clock. Often I do actually these days, and negotiate myself a later start. <laughs> <laughs> I can get an off-peak ticket in the morning, which can be um, which is a lifesaver. But it's always yeah, that, that's still uh, close to three dollars. So. Yeah, it's, um, it's not cheap, but it's also not expensive either. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's not cheap, but it's
0: also not expensive. I mean, it's an oxymoron, but it's not really, is it? You're getting on a bus. It costs money to run a bus, and it costs money to pay someone to drive that bus, and all of the infrastructure around that bus costs money as well. And three bucks for a 40-minute long trip, it's an amount of money, but it's pretty bloody cheap, all things considered.
1: Oh, yeah, no, it's like... There are certain times at which you think, yes, this is, you know, an an incredible service, particularly like when you go for dinner at night and, 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 you know, you stay out late and you're catching an 11 o'clock bus, which has, you know, one or two people on it. And you think, wow, you know, I I can get home for three bucks on a bus, which, which is really like a kind of big limo, which is just me and a couple of other people. Uh, on this this massive kind of empty, empty piece of public transport at night, which is in- incredibly affordable. um when you think about that bus is being driven by someone who's been paid, has fuel which has been pumped out of some country miles away, has been shipped here, um the bus has to sleep somewhere at night, it has it has to um, it has to have some central real estate to do that yeah it's, it's an incredible service and, and it, it is quite cheap um for what you get the electrification of them as well as is, is costing a lot of money electric buses need to be kept quite close to where they run so that you don't run down the battery getting from point, point a to point b um so so electric buses need a lot of um a lot of uh, central real estate which as we know is not cheap either public transport is never something that is That far from
0: the public conversation, as it were, but there is an immediacy to this, which is why we're kind of talking about it. A few days ago, Christopher Luxon, the leader of the opposition, he was talking about public transport and subsidies, and he he said something quite interesting. You reported on this. What
1: did he say? Well he he said it a couple of times, he said it in an interview with me a couple of months ago, uh, and he said it, it needed to stand on its own two feet and and, um, and it shouldn't sort of be underwritten by the public purse. But ultimately the public
0: transport needs to stand on its own feet. it can't be subsidized or underwritten, right? It has to be able to build on its own case.
1: and And then uh, he repeated that again and said public transport needed to stand on its merits and um, and basically said he was against public transport subsidies when he was reminded um, that you know public transport is is subsidized uh, heavily very heavily subsidised. He sort of said that he hadn't thought that that deeply about it and and then the press conference sort of ended. He didn't walk away from the press conference. It was actually just the end of the press conference. The clangour was that he had implied that he believed that public transport wasn't subsidised he later clarified the next day that that he was talking about to who and these, the the recent half price fares policy, <laughs> uh, and he, he admitted that he wasn't very clear either. So <laughs> where you land on that well, will depend on your politics, but you know you can certainly make the case that he, he appeared to believe that public transport stood on its own two feet, and um, and that these 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 um, public transport services made money. which well, they very much do not. It, it is an
0: interesting point, isn't it? Because I, I think. Um... Well, yes, it is reasonable to expect that, you know, the leader of the opposition does know that should know that anyway. But I feel like it probably is something that is lost on lots of people, the idea that well, the certainly the extent to which public transport actually is subsidised.
1: Tell me about this. Like so so how how does the funding of public transport work in New Zealand? Public transport is heavily subsidised. Basically, that's where you have to start. So, when you pay for a public transport ticket, even if you're paying if you were paying for it a few months ago before half price fares came in, that ticket is less than half of the cost of what it takes to give you that service. Um, it's different in different areas, but. You probably wouldn't have been paying for more than half of what it actually costs to deliver that service to you, because of COVID stuff is more heavily subsidised now. So, so you might have been paying as much as little as sort of thirty, forty percent of of what it costs. So there are four four pots of money, three main pots of money. The fourth is sort of an occasional one. The fourth pot of money is just. Boring old taxes, um, which you know comes from uh, your your earnings, comes from GST, comes from company tax. The government sometimes will take that that money in the budget and it will give it to public transport services, so stuff like City Rail Link in Auckland. They'll say, right, you know, this is great, we want to fund this, and they'll take money from taxation, and they'll give it to the council that is making that um, that public transport. So City Rail Link at the moment is about $4.5 billion. It's mm. going to increase in cost, but at the current cost is $4.4 billion, and the government's paying for half of that, and most of that's from your taxes. Mm. The other two pots of money are Waka Kotahi NZTA and councils. Waka Kotahi NZTA, that collects money from fuel taxes and road user charges mainly. It also collects money from a few other things, but mainly fuel taxes and road user charges. So every time you fill up your car, you you pay um, quite a lot of money in fuel taxes. Uh, and, and if you use a diesel vehicle or, you you know, you drive a truck, um, then you pay road user charges. So that, that money which is about $4 billion a year, goes into a big pot of money called the National Land Transport Fund. And the government gives Waka Kotahi a rough idea of where it would like that money spent. And they, at the moment, what what every government has said, would some of that money has to be spent on public transport. Uh, And so Waka Kotahi gets together with local councils every three years and they put together these things called regional land transport plans. And that is where Waka Kotahi gets together with your local council and they say, what sort of transport plan would we like in your region? They'll say, well, we'll spend this much money on fixing roads, local roads. Uh, and then, then they also come together with councils to talk about what public transport they want to provide in your region. And they split that as well, roughly 50-50 between them. he tends to pay a bit more um, these days because of COVID again. So um, your council will take money from rates. Uh, And they'll come together with Waka Katahi, which takes money from fuel taxes and RUCs, road user charges. And then that's the subsidy that comes off your ticket. And then the the final pot of money is the money that you pay. So to to refresh that, because it was quite complicated, ticket is the first pot of money, which is what you hand over. Then some comes from your local council then some comes from your fuel taxes and road user charges, and then some comes from general taxation. The short answer is that there is a huge amount of subsidy in in public transport, and it comes from many different places. And it really is a
0: pretty huge subsidy. According to Waka Kotahi's website, the organisation and local authority spent more than $1.2 billion on public transport
1: in the 2020 year alone. One of the cool things about fuel taxes is that they're one of New Zealand's oldest taxes. So a century ago, a piece of legislation was passed that enabled the collecting of taxes on fuel. And the idea is that if you drive a car, you should pay to use the road. Back in the 1920s, when this was set up, obviously hardly anyone had a car. Mm. And so it would have been incredibly unfair and morally wrong to make everyone pay for building roads when actually not everyone used the roads. Uh, And that's the kind of philosophy that underpins a lot of the way that our land transport system works, is that, you know, the, the clue is in the name road user charges. So you pay to use the road. So when you fill up your car, you pay fuel taxes and those fuel taxes um, get spent on the road, which your car drives on. And the reason why we've tended to fund public transport out of this pot of money is that if you drive a car, it's actually great for you if more people catch public transport mm. because the last thing you want when you're driving a car is to be stuck in, stuck in traffic. And everyone knows that if more people catch public trans catch public transport, then you won't be stuck in traffic. There are arguments as well. So so people like people who drive heavy vehicles um, like like really heavy trucks, you pay a road user charge in proportion to how big your truck is. Mm. So if your if your truck damages the road a lot, it's a heavy a heavy truck. You will pay more money to to drive that that truck. But if, again, if you're running a trucking company it's good for you if more if fewer people are on the road on the roads because that means the roads are are emptier for you to then use them so that is the kind of philosophy that underpins the way that that public transport is subsidized is that it's really good if, if fewer people drive and it has been like that for a long time recently we've, we've learned about climate change and then a sort of similar Philosophy applies, which is that we actually need to get way more people in public transport because it is much better for the environment, and it's actually quite um, it's quite easy to electrify public transport. So eventually, we'll have a system where we get around our cities in a way that's 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 not very emissions intensive. But this is kind of this is where the big debate is in public transport, and this is why I think people. It's funny how how transport has become one of the big kind of political fault lines in a way that it probably wasn't 20 years ago when. There was a sort of bipartisan consensus that building roads was great, mm. um, and now there really isn't. And and the question at the moment is is you've got a funding model for public transport, like a, about a quarter of your public transport fare comes from fuel taxes. And mm. so the way that we are decarboni- funding decarbonisation is coming from a tax that is levied on on pollution, which is is kind of. Is kind of good, but it also makes public tra- the subsidy for public transport dependent on pollution. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's an irony, isn't it? In order to fund getting away from burning fossil fuels, you need people to burn and pay for fossil <laughs> fuels to subsidize
1: that transition. There's a massive tension there. There's a huge tension there, and it's um, and and the the current modelling. Waka Kotahi has been quite concerned about this. Uh, Electric vehicles at the moment are exempt from paying road user charges, so electric vehicles they drive on the roads for, for free essentially. The government has a quite an aggressive electric vehicles policy. They're trying to get more people driving electric vehicles. And we think long term, actually, people are um, starting to drive a bit less. So so, so the amount of money well, Kotahi thinks is going to rake in from fuel taxes and road user charges is actually expected to decline. So the government at the moment is doing a, a, a review of where that money Will come from in the future so there is a really good chance that in a few years time we'll be talking about collecting road user money from either road user charges for everyone or a sort of GPS style tracking thing because fuel taxes are kind of on their way out. Um, we we do want to use less fuel, and eventually in the future we probably will use a lot less fuel. So there's a, there's a transitional issue there, which is we are funding public transport from a depleting pool of revenue. And there's also kind of a, a political issue, which is that people who use the roads a lot are getting frustrated, uh, to put it mildly, with the increasing subsidy that public transport is getting under this government. This government is a very is very keen on public transport, and 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 over the last two land transport plans that have been put together under this government um, have. Um, doled out quite a lot of money for public transport and people who use roads commercially, trucking companies for example, are quite frustrated with the fact that they're paying money to use these roads for their work and that money is going to massive subsidies for public transport, while the, the, they would argue the roads are, um, are not getting the attention they deserve um, so that they can, you know, continue to do their business, which is reliant on a lot of um, very effective and very expensive highways. So there's a, there's a big political controversy there, which is much more money for public transport because of climate change coming from money which historically has been intended to build roads. Back in, I think it was March, in the
0: throes of the mayhem of petrol prices just jumping all over the place, the government announced that the cost of all public transport to the person catching the bus would be halved for three months. Now, more than ever, is the time to make our transition towards more sustainable transport options and greater energy security.
1: Um, what was the thinking behind that? There's a debate about how you get more people to do to, to, to use public transport um, and it boils down to two issues which is the cost of the co- cost and frequency. Ideally, you want both cost to be low and frequency and, and quality of service to be high. Um, And and the the government essentially came to the conclusion that um, if public transport were cheaper, then more people would take public transport. And that is essentially the argument they made. I mean, it was also a political issue, obviously, at the same time, um, which more people were complaining about um, high fuel prices. Uh, New Zealanders drive a lot and high fuel prices were really... Um, we're were becoming a bit of a political issue. Mm. Um, so they, they slashed fuel excise duty, which is, the, again, one of those pots of funding for public transport. So they slashed that by 25 cents. Um, but also, I guess, to protect the government's green reputation, which is something that it's trying to deliver on, at the same time at half public transport. And, 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 you know, Jacinda Ardern, the, the way that she messaged it politically was really interesting, which was basically like, um, you know, fuel taxes will eventually go up again, mm. Um, but you might want to give cheap public transport a try because she heavily implied, and Grant Robertson heavily applied, implied that, that cheap public transport might be here to stay. The transport minister has hinted that the government could extend the three-month discount on public transport tickets. The half-price fares on public transport last until the end of June.
0: We are open to considering what we do after that, and we'll consider the options as we go forward.
1: And high oil prices are probably here to stay as well. So, so the government was very, it was sort of taking with well taking with both hands. But but you know, taking with one hand and giving with the other in a sense of basically saying this is this fuel stuff is is it we're giving you a temporary relief from high oil prices but you know you should probably get used to energy insecurity because energy insecurity is a is a global um, issue mm. uh, and one of the ways that you could possibly get used to energy um, insecurity is, is by taking public transport and you know as a public transport user myself I was actually quite interested at in how much I'd been insulated from the cost of living crisis um talking to friends who drove a lot they they were really feeling it mm. um but but public transport fares are frozen and so yeah, I'd certainly noticed higher grocery prices, but but this year I really hadn't felt um, hadn't felt cost of living pressures like other people had because um, because my the cost of my commute costs the same uh, this year as it did last year.
0: Now the cost of this policy to halve the consumer cost of public transport for three months was expected to be between twenty five and forty million dollars, which suggests if you extrapolate it out that the cost of making public transport tickets completely free would be between 200 and 360 million, which really isn't that much in the scheme of things. Naturally, this led to musings about whether that might actually be a good idea. So making public transport cheaper, or in some cases free, is increasingly common amongst cities and nations right around the world. Luxembourg did it two years ago. Germany is currently seriously considering making all their public transport free, that way they'll hit their emission targets. And even the capital of the car in the United States of America, Detroit, has made some of its bus routes free.
1: I put this to Thomas Coughlin. There are some numbers out there for for completely taking fares off public transport and because um because if you made it fares, fares completely free you 'd need so much more public transport mm. the cost is is more than just doubling yeah. um, uh, half price uh, fares but I mean the argument so this this sort of feeds into the sort of macro issue, which is like where are the, where do the subsidies exist in our society so roads are subsidized uh, in very complicated ways. Um, as we said uh, earlier, they are paid for by road user charges and um, fuel taxes. And so you could make the argument there that roads roads kind of stand on their own two feet because, you know, they are subsidised... Sorry, they're paid for by people who drive. Yeah. But, but New Zealanders love roads so much that no government can resist building more roads. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, we really, you know, like New Zealanders love um, to drive, mm. uh, and so there's a sort of every government does this to a certain extent, is that they raid the kitty of general taxation money to open up a new road, like like um, like the New Zealand upgrade roads, um, the the, the Otaki to North Levin, and and the infamous Melling interchange. Mm. So roads are also subsidised, right? The, the point is that roads roads take money from. From the pot of money, which is meant to go to schools and uh, and and health and stuff, the government looks at that and thinks, you know, what people would love is, is a picture of me with some giant scissors mm. cutting the ribbon on a road, and every government has done that. So so that's where the subsidy for roads comes from, uh, and so you could make the argument that actually, when you're looking at when you're looking at it at a macro level. Both things are subsidised, but but public transport is a more efficient form of transportation Mm. and would therefore require a smaller subsidy in terms of how much does it cost to subsidise me going from point A to point B. So, like, me again, like, to, to make this all about me, going to work, my ticket is heavily subsidised now with half-price fares. My ticket's basically 75% subsidised. Mm. That's a lot of money. Mm. Um, and the government is looking at building a faster bus route to where I live as part of the Let's Get Ready to Moving programme if that ever happens. Um, but the counterpoint uh, is that if I were to drive to work, um, which, for the sake of insurance companies, is a very daunting prospect. But if I if I were to do that, um, I would need a massive road. Um, I would need another tunnel through Mount Victoria. Uh, eventually, I would you know would there, would there would need to be massive highway improvements in Wellington if, if I did it and if everyone else to that, So you're not looking at something that's subsidised and something that isn't subsidised, you're looking at two forms of subsidy and what they deliver and the argument is that that's always made by public transport advocates is that the subsidy of one person who catches the bus is possibly smaller than, the, the, probably smaller than the subsidy of one person who drives simply because building roads for everyone, if everyone drove all the time, would would be ridiculous. <laughs> That's it for today.
0: I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Adrian Holley and produced by Sarah Robson. And thanks to Thomas Copland. Mate wa.